How do you do, fellow kids, and welcome to Reskins, a weekly episodic discussion of the star-studded and scandalous teen drama phenomenon of the late 2000s, Skins. And on today's episode, we will be discussing series two, episode five, maybe episode six. Tony, this Ooh. is Tony's <laughs> second episode of the series. Uh, of this season. Well, point 0.5, because he shared episode one with Maxie. Yeah. Um, and it's a strange one. It's, yeah, I think as well as a signature drink, we might as well have some <laughs> signature, I don't know. Drugs. Some, uh. Uh, it's it's particularly uh, obtuse, this episode. Well, speaking of signature drinks, I got us a an alcoholic dandelion and burdock for this one. Um, a strange drink for a strange episode, I think. Yeah, but also one that I think that Polly and yeah, that's what I was thinking. Polly and uh, her pal, but Mm -hmm. more on them later. So this episode is the second episode of Skins, written by Jamie Britton, who, as we know, is uh, one of the co-creators of Skins with his dad, Brian Elsley. He wrote uh, Sid's episode in the last series, um, and then wrote this. Very, very different episode mm-hmm. in series two. Um, and he was a teenager when he wrote that, was he, or kind of early 20s maybe? I think he was early 20s. I think okay. he's, well, he must have been because he's uh, born the same year as me. He's the same age as me. So um, okay. I don't want to give the game away. But um, yeah, he was, uh, he would have been early 20s when he wrote this. Okay. And we've got, well, I, I kind of want to ask you actually before we go into it do you have thoughts? Because I am. I think, at a bit of a loss as to what the hell was going on in some parts of this. Well, I'll start you off with uh, with the very opening of this episode, which is Tony waking from a nightmare, um, calling out for Effie. Effie comes through and reads him a story to help him get back to sleep. And the story from a big book of Greek myths is a story of Orpheus and Eurydice. Yes, and you're the Greek myths gal in this partnership. So are you going to tell us what that myth is. So, Orpheus... You're the Effie of this scenario, I guess. I'm the Effie of this scenario. Well, Orpheus and Eurydice's had a bit of a revival recently with the musical Hades Town, and it's kind of been adapted a lot of times in, in different media. But basically, Orpheus is a musician who goes down to the underworld to um, to save his girlfriend Eurydice, who's been captured by Hades, the Lord of the Dead. And basically, Hades says, you can go back with Eurydice, but you can't look back at her. She'll follow you back up the stairs to, to the earth, but you can't look back at her. And then he does look back at her, and he loses her, and she disappears, and that's her dead forever. And Orpheus is gutted. So it's a really kind of, a really laboured, very much a reach to... She's reaching your honour. She, she is reaching your honour to sort of force that... Because myth into into Tony's narrative. I knew that that was the myth, and I just I'm kind of struggling to make the connection. I feel like there's probably better myths. Well, yeah, for Tony. It it does kind of feel like I I guess he's lost his relationship with Michelle, but it's but the but the, that doesn't feel like the that the, the core of the episode no. or the core of his no. character at this point, which is what I think makes it strange. I I think there's a you know we'll talk about this later, but there's a they kind of fake that that's the point uh-huh. of the episode in in the kind of last but one scene and that. But it's not what the episode is about to me. No, exactly. And I feel like um, 
this is an episode where you can really tell that a young person has written it and I think it does embody some of the qualities that we as an audience don't like about Tony in a lot of ways yeah. so it, the, I mean we'll, we'll go into our, our kind of thoughts on the episode but I think in a weird way this episode does embody Tony as a character. Oh, definitely, it's, definitely. It's just kind of trying a bit too hard, and it's a bit, it's trying to be clever, but it doesn't quite stick the landing. That's true, but it does have some really good moments in yes, it, which it we'll get into in the long run. The first thing I wanted to say before we get uh, deeper into this episode, I know we've just started a recap, but um, the previously on for the episode is packed. Mm -hmm. There's the Tony Michelle stuff, the Sid and Michelle stuff, mm -hmm. Cassie's kind of on the, you know, Cassie being a weird kind of meddlesome figure, Chris and Jal, and the fact that Jal is pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting to me to compare this to the last series where the episodes were so episodic. And I and I would say I would argue actually that this episode is quite you know, it's not you know, Tony is away from the rest of the gang for most of it, so it seems Yeah, it's very it is strange, especially like the Jowl stuff, because the like Jowl's in this episode for a whole two seconds. A whole two seconds, but they do kind of touch on that and yeah. we'll go into that in, in just a moment. But it is interesting I think. So after he's gone to sleep, um, Effie's reading him this bedtime story of Orpheus and Eurydice. Tony... Eurydice. Not Eurydice. Oh I'm sorry. Hercules. I don't know. I don't have any Greek references. <laughs> So we get this Tony's kind of walking to the club with Maxi, Anwar, Jowl and Chris. Little sidebar, Jowl's earrings in this bit are amazing. These big kind of gold mm -hmm. hoop numbers. I'm a big fan of a gold hoop. There is some statement jewellery in this episode. There really is. They're at one of these parties. I, I This is one of my points that I kind of made when I was, the, or one of the things I thought about when I was watching it. And I think I've said this about Skins before, like... We know that Skins takes place in a heightened world, in a heightened mm -hmm. kind of cinematic universe. Skins thematic universe, I don't know. But they're at this kind of mad warehouse dance party. And I always see that on TV, particularly British TV. And I'm like, I've never been in a club like that before in my whole life. Like a big kind of warehouse super club. Well, I've never been to one in Bristol, but uh, <laughs> I've never been out in Bristol. I do like that the the shot of the kind of queue going up the stairs, though, and Tony sort of skipping the queue as he, mm. as he runs up the stairs. Tony, when they get into the club, Tony has this little moment with Jal. It's that moment where she asks him if he's all right, uh, and then he asks her if she's all right. And uh -huh. she's like, kind of, why? And she's taken aback. And it's like she thinks he knows something about her being pregnant. Uh, she's obviously kind of slightly... There's something interesting about Jal in this episode, because I think she's like playing the role of being kind of party girl Jal mm. in a way that we never really see her do. Yeah. But then she's clearly kind of going through it with her own problems and her own feelings. Mm. And then Cassie turns up uh, and she feeds Tony some drugs or she gives Tony these drugs, uh, which seems like a bad idea. I have a note about the wardrobe in this scene. You do? Specifically Cassie and Tony's wardrobe. What is Cassie wearing? She's wearing black and white stripes with pink accents. Mm. And what is Tony wearing? Black and white stripes with 
gold accent. Oh, they've switched colours. They've switched colours. Signature colours, switching. There is a lot going on in skins that I I don't think people give it credit for. I think this is I think this is a total Perhaps reach, we give it too much credit <laughs> in some instances. So Cassie's feeding Tony these drugs and they're watching Sid and Michelle. Um, who are kind of dancing together. Tony says he's fine and dandy. And, and oh, in this scene, Cassie sounded like she has a cold. Um, maybe I'm just like a nan who's too con- concerned for her. But um, Cassie is clearly not fine and dandy with Michelle and Sid being together. So she she starts to imagine going on a date with Tony and they have this kind of quite playful thing about them ending up together. Mm. And it's like... It it doesn't ever read as you know they might actually go there. It's weird because it they both they have a kind of anti chemistry together, yeah. which I think is de- oops, which I think is deliberate. But but this this felt really nice to me, Tony and Cassie. We never really get Tony yeah. and Cassie. I think this is to my mind this is the first scene where that's just the two of them talking, uh-huh. and it felt really interesting. But in a very skins move, when they're talking about that they'd end up together in bed. Tony says that his cock doesn't work just as all of the music goes out in the club. Um, so everybody hears and is staring at him. He should have been ready for the drop. Which doesn't happen. And that things that always bothers me. That's a very Skins joke, but that bothers me. That's cheating. That's a, a cheat of a joke. Uh-huh. The thing that bothers me most about this scene is when we cut to the other characters. Um, Maxie is wearing double collars. He's got like a polo shirt wow. with a collar under like a, a dress shirt. And I, I, uh... I didn't look at a lot of the fashion in this bit. I, yeah, I've got much more fashion comments later on in the episode. When Sid and Michelle are dancing together, Sid is the one who's worried. Uh, he's kind of looking to Michelle for re- reassurance that it's okay what they're doing. And then we get this little kind of moment of Tony, sort of the drugs kicking in, kicking in, I guess. And it's almost in some ways like the old Tony is back. Mm-hmm. He's a lot more confident, although he's a very shit dancer. Yeah, well, I think it's less about his actual confidence as like it's almost a surge of bravado yes. and wanting to, you know wanting to be seen as the alpha male perhaps mm, definitely. in this situation and sort of shaking his tail feathers a bit but shaking his tail feathers <laughs> although as much as i say he's a shit dancer um this thing of like it's like tony chris and maxi sort of holding on to each other and jumping up and down which is a very real depiction of the way British guys dance in clubs a lot of the time. Usually to like Mr. Brightside or something along those lines. So then we get this scene of Sid and Anwar, which I thought was another nice little pairing. Mm. Sid and Anwar have this um, sort of unique little friendship in this this Mm. part of the series, maybe from their adventures in Russia together. Uh, So Anwar is kind of telling Sid that he's kind of lucky to be with Michelle because he's uh, not exactly a player. Well, I beg to differ. Sid's been... Been around yeah, the block a bit, has he? <laughs> yeah. um, he's kind of punching above his weight, I think, is what Anwar's suggestion is. And then Tony comes along and he just seems really weird and really out of it. So Tony sort of takes Sid's pint uh, and downs it. He looks ill in this scene. Like, he looks... Yeah, he's kind of sweaty and he's, like, like lit from below. And I think it, like... It's like they're deliberately making him look like shit, but he yeah. does look ill. 
Which is hard because I think Nicholas Holt is such a striking, kind of angelic looking mm-hmm. guy. But I think they have gone out of their way to make him look ill in this scene. And he kind of seems, well, he definitely wants a confrontation, but it seems like he wants a fight with Sid. Yeah. Does Michelle turn up in this scene? I think Michelle turns up and is, is, is concerned about Tony, uh-huh. but then he runs away to be sick in what I thought were, what I initially thought were the cleanest nightclub toilets in the world. Um, but then it turns out it's the women's toilets. Well, and it's a, it, it's a little bit of a, a train spotting. I got a little bit of a train spotting vibe from this yeah, scene as well. Actually, yeah. So who's in the women's toilets? A mysterious woman in the cubicle next to the one that Tony is vomiting in and um she says that he's having a panic attack she does she does and i would probably agree that he is um we've seen tony have panic attacks before Mm -hmm. um but this mysterious woman then says maybe because you want to fuck your sister okay (laughs) (laughs) more of that specific incest theme popping up in skins and there will be more of it later let's press pause here I think that, as, so hopefully you will have watched this episode or have already watched this episode and will know that aspects of this are clearly taking place, aspects of this episode are clearly taking place in Tony's mind. Yes. I am assuming from this comment, from this mysterious woman who we will see later in the episode, that this is a figment of Tony's imagination as well, that this girl is not literally in the toilet at this moment. Yes. And this is him talking to himself. Yes. Okay. But what is he saying to himself? That he wants to <laughs> fuck his sister. <laughs> Which is very strange and makes me very uncomfortable. Um, we'll talk more about that later, I think, though. Um, so outside, um, Cassie is kissing someone on the dance floor. Um And Sid is kind of just staring at her and then at Michelle and then at Tony. He's, um, Sid is a very passive character Mm. in this episode. That's kind of how they've characterised him. Um, he keeps sort of verbally objecting to things, but not actually doing anything to stop them. Yeah, it feels like we haven't seen a whole lot of, like, other than his, his episode and, like, in Michelle's episode, Sid doesn't have as much of a presence i feel in this in this series as he did in the first one i'm not sure about that because i mean we are only what like five or six episodes in and i think what maybe the react what what is causing that is that chris and jal have come up to the sort of surface so much and that there was so much of the maxi and sketch stuff Mm -hmm. um it's maybe that they're all getting a bit more of a slice of the pie um than our protagonist sid um so then Tony runs away from this nightclub and we get this really good kind of one of those kind of signature ambitious skins shots of of Tony running through the streets at night and it's kind of jerky and jittery and the music is quite cool. Yeah, well, he's running by the quayside as well and you see all the lights reflected in the water and stuff. We've um, seen Tony by the sea, the, by, by the seaside? By the quayside. <laughs> well, he before. does like to be beside the he quayside. He do like to be beside the quayside. Um, and then he wakes up as if waking up from a nightmare, just the way he did at the start of the mm-hmm. episode. So was all of that a dream? Or was all of that real? Who fucking knows? Who fucking knows? <laughs> anyway... 
Um, so the next morning, Michelle and Sid, so it wasn't a dream because Michelle and Sid turn up to see Tony. Um, excellent moment. I know. Well, just before the excellent moment, we have to take a, a second to acknowledge Michelle's necklace in this scene. Oh, do we? I didn't even notice it. It looks like it weighs about five stone. It's a <laughs> massive, like, sort of brass floral necklace, but it looks like it is weighing April Pearson. Wow. Down, so it's quite something. Well, my moment of the episode, potentially moment of the whole series, <laughs> is um, Michelle is clearly uncomfortable talking to Effie, like the sister of her now ex-boyfriend. So she says, how are you? <laughs> and Effie replies, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? <laughs> and it is just amazing. I fucking love it. I love Effie. I love funny Kaya Scudelario in this series. It's it's so nice that she's being given this stuff. And there is so much of a, like... Um, like, when you look at skins on Instagram and stuff like that, Effie is still very, very popular. Yeah. And she's a sort of... I think because she's this enduring uh-huh. kind of character, this enduring sort of collection of tropes. Yeah. But I think a lot of that is associated with her being depressive and her kind of mental health and and sort of leans into the glamour of that in a way that I'm slightly uncomfortable with. And I think it's nice that in this series particular, she's been given funnier stuff to yeah. do. And I think she has a really interesting role in this episode. Uh-huh. And again, Kaya Scott-Larry was just great. She's brilliant. The funny stuff and with the kind of more emotionally intense stuff as well. But but yeah, that's that was one of my funniest moments as well. From, of the series. Of the series. So when they go up to Tony's room, speaking of funny moments, Tony is under the bed, which I think is a really nice, good, weird setup for what is actually mm-hmm. just a kind of talky scene. What could have been quite a boring, yeah. talky scene. But Tony's under the bed and it's that iconic... Skin's bedspread of the naked man and the naked woman. It's like Sid and Michelle are kind of trying to get Tony's permission to go out together. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really want to give them it. Or give them anything much. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of, like this episode, is quite obtuse. He just doesn't really give them an inch either way. No. Um, and sort of stays there below his bed. So Michelle and Sid leave, uh, and then again, another really nice comedy touch, I think, is the fact that the the scene is shot from above, so we're looking down onto Tony's bed, and once they've left the room, there's a beat. And then Tony, the, the only thing that we see of Tony is, like, from below him kicking the bed, and the bedspread kind of flies up a bit, um, which I think is a really kind of cute button for... It is a cute button, and it also says to me... We did actually put Nicholas Holt under this bed to film yeah. this scene. This is not cheated, yeah. which is good. And it also feels, that to me feels like that little button, once they've left and he kicks the bed, it's like he is actually more pissed off about yeah. this and he's more affected by this than he wants to let on. Or perhaps that he even realises himself. Yeah. Um, there are a few really nice directorial flourishes in this episode. That which was directed by... Harry Enfield. Harry Enfield, which we didn't say. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So yeah, this being being one of them, but there are a few really nice visual moments which I don't know if they were maybe in the shooting scripts or whether they were you know something that was added in you know through direction. But um, but yeah, the kick in the bed is lovely. Yeah. So we find out that Tony has an interview for a college or university, um, and Effie's 
helping him to get ready in his suit. And they're just so lovely together. Like this this dynamic, the kind of switching dynamic where in this series, Effie is so protective of Tony and mm-hmm. is kind of looking after Tony in the way that he did for her last series is so clever and so good. Do you think that... So I, I picked up on this later, I think, a lot more when we see Effie again. But I think they do dress Effie a little bit differently in this episode. She feels a little bit less like a like a she feels a lot a lot less heightened, basically. She feels more like a real girl. Yeah, but at the same time I wondered and again this is maybe a stupid thing that I'm reading too much into, like a wardrobe thing. But she has this sort of strange headband on, um, which is like it's almost like kind of shark's teeth shaped like Alice headband um but it also sort of looks a bit like an old like an old painting of a halo oh interesting Saint Uh, Effie Saint Effie but again just uh, you know maybe reflecting how Tony puts Effie on on a kind of a pedestal yeah she just felt to me it felt intentional that they'd kind of dressed her down a bit and she seemed like she was you know a girl at home Mm rather than the kind of going out Effie and stuff, because we do see later this other person who is dressed very much like the the persona of Effie, the, yeah. kind of, the, the caricature of Effie. So Tony's on the train on the way to college um, or university. I'm not quite sure which one. And he he's sitting opposite this soldier, played by... Uh, Sean Pertwee. Sean Pertwee. And he's covered in scars, and he wants to tell Tony a story. And he tells a story about setting fire to himself. Yeah, he kind of looks up from his newspaper, which has... It's quite prominently displayed. Did you see the headline, the headline was, of the story? It was something about... Something um, about so- the life of a soldier. Yeah, um, which feels like it should have been something but it it doesn't really pay off i mean it does kind of make me wonder and i can't remember and i wish i'd kind of gone back and looked at it now or looked now but it does make me wonder if this is kind of who tony thinks he might have become Mm. um you know he was in his accident so you might have been scarred Mm. from that Um, maybe he's thinking about his mental scars Mm. um and maybe the you know the fact that this is a a soldier is, you know, that ties into his sense of masculinity and, you know, what it means to be a man. And especially given his impotence, like maybe that's mm. part of part of that as well. There's a lot of kind of Jungian, like cod psychology um, elements to this episode. There really is. Lots of uh, first year university psychology. <laughs> lots, of, <laughs> lots, of, lots of shadow self stuff and usually I'm like, you know, I'm all about that kind of thing, but it doesn't quite add up to me. It doesn't quite add up, but I do think they buy it and, and yeah. I will go into that when they do. I, fe- I feel like this particularly is the point in the episode where, to me, it went okay, this is all from Tony's point of view uh-huh. and what you're seeing here is not what's actually happening. This is one of those episodes of Skins. He's an unreliable narrator. He certainly is. Um, and he tells this soldier, the soldier asks if he has any marks and he tells him no. And then the soldier says, oh, because you're fine and dandy. So this is to me saying like, uh-huh. oh, this is in Tony's head and this is maybe to- a projection of Tony himself. Because again, fine and dandy was the kind of prominent 
phrase that was used in the earlier conversation with, with, with Cassie. Cassie. Yes. Big fan of Dolly Parton's Hard Candy Christmas, is Tony, apparently. Um, so Tony's looking around this university campus. Um, and I think the other thing that makes me go like, the other big question I had is if this is real and if this is actually happening in, in on some level, where are Tony's mum and dad? Like, why aren't mm. they with him? Because they've been so protective of him yeah. during this series. And just like, maybe, like it was literally last episode, his dad was taking him swimming. And now his dad's behind the camera. And now his dad's behind the camera, certainly. I mean, we know where they actually are, but why aren't they in the episode? No, that's a good point. So we get this student welcoming committee, which is a very good, very skins um, moment. This is Polly and uh, who was her... Her, um, was it Will, maybe? It seems like it would be Will. Let's just call him Will. I don't know. I thought this scene went on forever. It was really, really long. It did go on forever, but it was more of the incest theme. Because Polly says... There's a a sort of sexual tension, I guess, between Polly and Will, Mm -hmm. um, who, who are these kind of posh students. Polly, in particular, is this very patronizing posh girl. And there's more of this weird incest thing because she says that Will is more like a brother to me um, Mm. when he clearly wants to sleep with her. Mm. Um, It's there. It's all there. Um, The other thing I noted in this scene, um, I love all of the people, all of the extras in this scene are top tier because they all look like the exact people you went on a tour of a university campus with. There are lots of kind of late 2010s emos emo there's a Scenester fantastic girls. emo girl standing in front of tony with the scene emo hair uh-huh. which everybody thinks of the like the sort of asymmetrical uh, black fringe, fringe yeah. on boys but it's that very specific emo hair that i loved on a girl um then we got this nice kind of series of shots of tony um he's clearly kind of lost on the campus and he's walking up and down these these round spiral staircases. Mm-hmm. Um, just feels like a really nice, ambitious shot. Not the sort of shot you get in television all the time. Certainly not at this mm-hmm. point. And we see that he's been looking for this, this one room where a, a sort of psychology seminar is taking place. Mm-hmm. And the person leading the seminar is... Sean Pertwee, who he he met on the train, but it's not the same. But it's not guy the same because guy. he's not covered in burns. So it's a whole uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh, and you were there, and you were there moment. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. What um, do you think this means? Well, I think if we take that back to the you know the the man on the train being kind of representing Tony's masculinity and maybe his state of mind after the accident, then. This character, the the lecturer, I guess we could call him, or tutor, he seems to represent Tony's um, Tony's kind of pretensions and his yeah. academic side and his and the uh, way he treats women. And the way he treats women, yeah. So this lecturer is weirdly aggro mm-hmm. with Tony and with some of the other people in the in the group. Yeah, he's weirdly aggro with people, and we kind of pull back and reveal that the. The girl, the mysterious girl from the toilets in the nightclub, is now here. And this girl 
bears something of a resemblance to Effie on a night out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she looks like her necessarily. She's no. got brown hair and sort of dark features, but she doesn't really look like her. But I think she's styled like her, yeah. and the makeup is very Effie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the one that calls out the lecturer for being a perv, and when she leaves, Tony follows. At the lecturer's insistence. At the lecturer's insistence, yes, which feels interesting. And then they go together to, interestingly enough, given that Tony was at his swimming lessons last mm-hmm. episode, they go to this pool on the campus, which, even though Tony's saying he can't swim, she pushes him into. Yeah. And she says, you just don't want to. And again, this feels like not only a callback to those swimming lessons, but also to Michelle's rebirth oh, in, the, yes, in the sea in the as sea. well. To an extent, and the fact that you know the others were going and running and skippy, skippy dipping. The others were running and skinny dipping, and um, she sort of held back, and then she went by herself. And this feels like it's the the kind of counterpart to that. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that, but I think you might be right. Tony's outfit, I have to say, in this part of it at least, he's wearing this kind of beige shirt and this really tailored sort of brownish suit with no socks. And it just looks amazing in this scene. Like this Tony floating in this pool just looks like an album cover or something. It looks rock and roll as fuck to me. But then the welcome committee turn up again, uh, Polly and Will. And Tony's mysterious girl is nowhere to be seen. She's nowhere to be seen, but also the stuff that the the tour guides are saying kind of is increasingly like these people aren't real either. Um, I can't remember what the the dialogue is exactly, but it's like they're too perceptive of something or they have knowledge of something that they shouldn't have in Tony's life. Oh, do they? There's there's something that they say. I can't remember what it was. Polly kind of says he was a bit naughty to go into that. It's it's kind of super Mm passive-aggressive kind of attitude. They felt like the best sort of skin's kind of awful. Yeah, there's a kind of Alice in Wonderland vibe to Definitely. This, whole, this whole episode. And I think that, you know, it is a bit like Tweedledum and Tweedledee and the Mad Hatter and all this kind of stuff. Mm. These these characters that, that Tony meets along the way and specifically to do with, you know, growing up in academia and, like, the way that we see ourselves within the kind of confines of education, which is like one of the the, the themes of Alice in Wonderland mm. as well. I kind of think that Alice in Wonderland would have been a more appropriate story for Effie to be telling Tony at the... Potentially, actually. I mean, yeah, potentially. And then equally, I think... I mean, I know that's a bit done for a kind of Alice allusion. Well, they did do one last series with uh, Cassie as well. Oh, I but I think if they were going to do Alice in Wonderland, they should have amp that up a bit yeah. more I think that's just what this is missing a little bit more of a push into the fantastical yes uh-huh. yes or even a push into sort of student filminess do you yeah, know what I mean potentially like, to to really show that it's like reflecting Tony's like the the, the more otherworldly parts of him in a, in a more visually mm. unusual way yes I think particularly because, like as we've said already, Nicholas Holt is so visually unusual yeah. and striking. He looks like a sort of fairy child or something. Mm. Like somebody that was bought from the goblin market. 
Um, during the tour, the mysterious girl finds Tony again and takes him into this uh, science lab and sets up an experiment for him mm. where he's got to cross the lab, um, which is full of, you know, doohickeys and... Like beakers and test tubes and all this kind of shit. But I, there again, there are some really cool shots in this sequence. Um, there's like a close up of Tony's eyes yes. where he's just lit, in like the Morticia Adams lighting. It really you know, is. Come through, Miss Mortish. Um, um, so yeah, there's there's some cool visual stuff in this scene, and obviously, yeah, here is a literal trial of experimentation. Mm. You know, it's um. Um. So. Obviously, when Tony gets across the lab, the he's knocked over all of the, all of the equipment and stuff, and the, the alarms are going off. Um, so him and the girl run away together, and she takes him to the halls of residence. And they head into a room. She sniffs around the doors to find one that suits her, and the door that she opens uh, hosts two young men. And a great big haze of hash smoke. Yes, I thought that was... I mean, it's like the two guys, Matt and Toby, who are smoking a, a hookah pipe, which just feels so spot-on uh-huh. university students. Um, but they're smoking hashish, which mm-hmm. I think is very funny to me for some reason. Um, feels like... Both at the same time, the grossest thing you could be smoking, but also the very specific thing that these Mm -hmm. guys would want to smoke. Um, Tony doesn't want to smoke initially. He's kind of hesitant, but then he does. And then we come back from the commercial break and they're all in their pants. They've all stripped down. Bear in mind that, of course, Tony and the girl, the mysterious girl, had been in the pool, so their clothes were wet. Oh, that's true. So... They, they had a reason. <laughs> they had a reason to take off all their clothes with these boys. Well, it was getting hot in here from all of the smoke. I see. And when Matt takes his top off, he reveals that he's got this big sort of tribal tattoo mm-hmm. on his back. And he said he did it himself, which seems unlikely considering it's on his fucking back. But he ends up giving the girl a tattoo, which is of a... a well, I thought it was a phoenix. It's like a fire. Kind yeah, of it's something like rising out of flames. flames. Yeah. So, do we think that both of these boys are also figments of Tony's imagination, or that's what I'm or interested was in? Was the tattooist real, or because it does feel like this whole scene seems to be reckoning with Tony's sexuality as well, mm, potentially, um, because they are, you know, kind of all canoodling a bit on the bed. Yeah, and I mean, he did have his little moment with Maxie yeah. in the last series. That, to me, felt like Tony was... You know, it felt less like Tony actually wanted to do stuff with Maxie and more like Tony wanted... Mm. Like, Tony's sexuality always feels like less about sexuality or more about control. Yeah, but I wonder if this was to do with desire. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, And obviously desire does play a, a part in it. And I think that's part of where this whole incest, not even subtext text <laughs> is. Um, but also, you know, one of the, you know, Matt, particularly the guy that's, that does the tattoo is, is quite attractive as well. And it, it just, it, like, it does feel like it's, it is maybe Tony 
working through some stuff about his attraction to men and women. Yeah, yeah. Bisexual icon, Tony Stoneham. Who would have thought it? But then, as the girl is kind of... She gets him to touch her tattoo, um, and then she starts to come on to him a bit, and he says, I can't do this. She tells him to let the fuck go, but he instead runs away outside and starts crying. And it does feel quite legitimately sad. So this is when Polly and Will find him again and want him to join the group. Uh, and Polly starts to sing to him, which is just excruciating. Well, it's a song from HMS Pinafore or something. Yes, that the musical yes. society are putting on. So, But um, then Tony has his interview, um, which is with Sean Pertwee, the army fella. And he... Again, another instance where this feels like he might be a projection of Tony. He knows everything that Tony's done on this day. Um, He knows about him jumping in the pool and going to the dorm room and stuff like that. And he wants Tony to convince him to offer him a place. It does feel a bit like this is Tony having an argument with himself. Definitely. Um, Again, maybe kind of characterising aspects of himself that he hates yes. that he particularly dislikes and he um he, him calling himself out on that really and calling out what he could be in the future if he if he maybe carries down the road that he had been going down yeah definitely i mean i mean that that's kind of stated yeah that that tony when the guy asks who he is, Tony says, I'm you. Mm-hmm. And Tony then kind of refers back to the question that the guy had asked him, um, or, or the insinuation earlier in the episode where the guy said he didn't know what the word animus meant. Uh-huh. Uh, and Tony says, you know, he does know what it meant. Uh, spirit, courage, passion, wrath. And, and the button on the end of the scene is Tony saying, you know, he knows who he is. And he says, I'm a bad dream mate. Hmm. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm answering a question with a question. I would like you to say what you think it means. Well, <clears throat> this idea of of dreams, you know, happening throughout the episode and Tony waking up from a bad dream and all this kind of stuff. So, um, I guess a, like the idea of a bad dream, like a dream, in the sense of, you can say that something is a dream, like dream as in a good thing. Mm. A good thing that has been corrupted, like oh so, yeah, do you yeah, see what it is? like bad dream in that sense. Yes, that's quite interesting. So after this interview, where Tony says, you know, he would have been the best student this guy ever had, but he doesn't want to go to this university. Mm. Um, Tony goes back to the dorms to sleep with his mysterious girl. His sexual problems have gone anyway. It's a lot. This scene is. It's a hell it's of a lot. Explicit. It's very explicit. I did wonder, kind of, I'm kind of interested in, I think Skins is quite popular, particularly now. It's on Netflix and stuff. And I think it's quite popular with kids in the US. Uh-huh. And I wonder, like, compared to, you know, I think leaving stuff like Euphoria out of it, because that's very, very modern. We've mm. never had that on the US, on US TV before. But if you take things like Riverdale and kind of Gossip Girl yeah. and US teen dramas... They never push it sexual, uh-huh. sexually like this. And this just feels, this feels like a lot <laughs> to yeah. take in. Um, so after they've had sex, the girl says she's staying, but Tony leaves. And she says, don't look back, Tony. Which takes us back to the Orpheus stuff, but 
But why? But why? <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> what do you? What does it mean? So, the revelation at the end. You know, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but literally back. Don't look back. Tattoo on her back is the ah. tattoo on his back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I also quite a question like what if this is happening in Tony's head and this girl doesn't really exist he's gone back to these guys dorm rooms to do for what? a very enthusiastic wank yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. which I wouldn't put past him which, but it does seem very interesting and he had a major revelation he did yeah it's, but I think again it, it's a really tortured reference I think to Orpheus and Eurydice like I don't think it really like this doesn't feel like a journey through the underworld so much to me as it is yeah a a visit to the shadow side or what have you like that's there are obviously those elements in the episode but it's not about him going to rescue Michelle from the underworld or or anything really to do with relation it's about himself yeah um and that's why it doesn't really... Well, I think the thing that it reminds me of, and there's already been... I think with the Sid episode this series, there was a direct relationship with the body, the episode of Buffy. Yeah. And I think this episode reminds me a lot, in some ways, of Restless. Restless even yeah. pulling from some of the same references, I would say. And, and you know, there's the, the scene earlier on where... Um, uh, Polly's trying to convince him to go to this performance. She says, there's cheese and wine. There's cheese and wine. And she's yeah. like, really insisted on the cheese and wine. And I was like, oh yeah, like the cheese man in Restless. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but it feels like, it feels like Restless, but Restless is a dream episode and it, and it mm. follows kind of dream logic. Mm. And it also has the kind of supernatural element of yeah. what, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Buffy, but the first ever Vampire Slayer is sort of chasing them through the dream world, uh-huh. through their own dreams and kind of trying to attack them or kind of kill them in their own dreams, Freddy Krueger style almost. Yeah. Um, I wonder if maybe the original idea for this episode was, and it was all a dream episode, um, and it maybe went a little bit f- like further into dream logic stuff. I think it could have done with that, but... It anyway. doesn't. Um, so Tony goes back to the club. And another of those obvious references, I think, that doesn't quite work for me is... Ascending. He up. ascends the yeah. stairs. It should be a down, shouldn't it? If he's going down to the underworld. But I guess the ascension is he's going up for this last scene. Back to his own life. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he goes back to his own life and he bursts in on Sid and Michelle in the toilets. Uh, they're having a lovely time in the toilet cubicle and he says he loves Michelle he kind of makes this argument that him and Michelle are meant to be together and Cassie and Sid are meant to be together and he says he loves Michelle and then he said he he says he loves Sid too and he kisses Sid mm-hmm. which feels really nice and interesting it's such a weird scene though um yeah because then Tony turns around and says, basically, Michelle, I should be with you. Sid should be with Cassie. It just works. And it's like... Uh, it doesn't. No. This, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, what he'd learned at the end of the last series was that he did love Michelle. But it felt like Michelle had been on this journey 
where she realised she she didn't need Tony. She didn't need Tony. And it, it really it should be Michelle who calls the shots as to whether she thinks she and Tony work or not. Yes. Rather than him, and it's like, well, has yeah. nobody learned a bloody lesson after <laughs> all? Not this? at all. Not at all. I mean, I tell you who needs to learn a lesson because although this feels like very much a vibe. Speaking of British boys in clubs. Sid going clubbing wearing three-quarter length jeans is no. a moment in time. Ugh. But when he comes out of the bathroom with the two of them, Tony tells Cassie that everything's going to be all right, uh, and then he goes home. Is it, though, Tony? Is everything going to be all right? Is it? Is it? Are you getting your fucking bed, Tony? Well, before that, he, he goes and checks in on Effie, who's asleep, and he's very kind of tender with her and takes the bottle of vodka and pills away from the side of her bed um, but it felt like a nice kind of reference back to that moment in the first series where Tony got into Effie's bed and pretended yeah. to be her for mm -hmm. the mum and dad then when he goes into his own room he reveals when he takes his top off that he's got the fire tattoo on his own back because he was the girl all along <laughs> the girl with the fire tattoo. The girl with the fire tattoo. Oh my god, Tony what Stoneham. a weird episode. What the hell was all that about? Not bad. There was really nice elements of it, and I will not take this away from any episode of Skins. Yeah. has more ambitious elements and a lot often oh, better yeah. story elements than a lot of TV drama, even now. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, totally. I really admire its ambition. I think it was... It was both undercooked, but like overflavored, over <laughs> <laughs> undercooked and overflavored. No, not quite. It was like, yeah, they, they, they didn't quite get all of the elements right, and I I could see what it was going for, but it just didn't completely work. Yes, I would agree. Um, but again, there were some really nice moments in both the performances and the um, yeah visually. Um, there was some cool stuff, uh, nice flourishes, um, but it was a bit of a hot mess, this episode. Yes, a real mixed bag. Yeah. Um, but again, hats off to them for the ambition. I think, again, it might have worked better if they'd gone full tilt dream sequence, uh, you know, dream uh, episode um, to do all this kind of figurative and exploratory stuff around Tony's subconscious and um, you know how he relates to people it kind of feels like they are they go for that but then they sort of well I think that's back maybe part of the problem because if you're doing an episode about Tony's subconscious and how he relates it Tony is really about his relationships and skins is really about mm. the relationship that all these friends have together yeah. so to do an episode exploring Tony's subconscious and get it right and do it as like a dream thing you kind of need to have Michelle and Sid in it particularly and Effie well yeah but you could have had like for instance Sid and Cassie playing the roles of Tony's mum and dad yes or something or, like that like, yeah or and you know you could even do some of the kind of uni because again I think that's a good story point as well Tony goes to a uni yeah. open day and kind of it opens his mind a bit, but also gives him a sense of perspective. And and like... I, I think that's a real thing as well, particularly with Tony, where 
you know, he is big fish in a small pond where uh-huh. he is, and going out into the big... This series is clearly about them all kind of big bad world. Yeah. And it does feel like he's been brought down a peg or two. But did he even go to that university open day? Who knows? <laughs> oh, and the thing I did notice, this is such a tangent, we'll we'll say goodbye in a minute, but um, when he's on the train back, it looks like he's sitting next to someone. And I was like, are they going to pull back and reveal that like his mum and dad were there with him all along? Or or is that the implication? Like he's 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 sitting in a aisle seat and there's clearly someone sitting mm. at the window. Um but we don't see who that is. So I did have that is that what it is and it's maybe too clever for its own good or am I giving this Maybe it was just a too... busy train. <laughs> maybe it was just on a busy train, yeah. It's the rush hour on the way back. Anyway, with that that episode out of the way. <laughs> um who's next week? Uh next week is Effie. Effie, Effie, Effie. Oi, oi, oi. And, oh, next week we'll be meeting one of my favourite characters in Skins. History, Pandora. Oh. So give us a like and a comment on iTunes. You can now follow us on Instagram at reskinnedpod. Um, please give us some lovely, uh, affirming, pleasant feedback. Juicy reviews, all of our iTunes. And we'll see you next week for Effie. Bye. Bye. You, next. Ray? Yes, 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 you. Enlighten us, too. Um, okay. Um, I'm Tony Stoneham. I go to college. I live in... I know she said enlighten us, don't bore us, Mr Stoneham. Speak about yourself, about your motives, your drive, your animus. I... You don't know what animus means, do you? Yes, I know what it means. Well, I'm relieved. You see, because at this university... We don't have room for the inarticulate. I, I think I'd better go there. <laughs>